0: Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of The Colour Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Colour Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends find out more and stay up to date please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram Facebook and Twitter in Isaiah it says it talks about you know they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength you know these verses mount up as wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary. they shall walk and not faint and then in the very next chapter it says now gather and renew strength gather and renew strength And that's why we do this. And that's why we labor to to draw you and to encourage you to be here. And, you know, we do that because, you know, when we gather, there is something powerful in the gathering that then enables us to scatter with renewed strength for what we need to do. Amen. So, Father, in Jesus' name, on behalf of everyone who's going to be on this platform and bringing the word of God, we commit ourselves to you with humility of heart. We ask, Father God, that you will breathe on your word, breathe on our preparation, our meditation, our devotion, Father God, to bring our finest. And Lord, we pray that your word will go forth and it shall not return void, but it shall accomplish what you have purposed this weekend. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Okay, here we go, girls. Allow me to open this conference. 2016, the languages be found. Be found in the mystery, all right? So you may be familiar with that. Be found in the mystery. Allow me to read to you from Colossians. You would have seen some of it on the screens. But Colossians 1, and I'm reading from the message because it frames it so beautifully. It says, we look at the sun and see the God who cannot be seen. Oh, should we just pause on that for a minute? That in itself is deeply profound. We look at the sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, He organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. I'm going to pause the scripture on the screen. I just want to pause here and repeat that. And when it comes to the church, he organizes it and holds it together like a head does the body. Do you know when it comes to the church, and this is just a little, I'm throwing this in for free. Hallelujah. (laughs) When it comes to the church, the church on the earth, capital C, we know she's not perfect, right? you're new in this place and you've come into really what is this color women's conference but actually you've also entered the church you've entered the house of God welcome but you know we know that the church is not perfect she historically is not perfect but you know I believe that she is growing in stature I believe that she is actually growing in stature And something is happening. And when I was meditating this the other day, I was reminded of, you know, a moment at Hillsong Conference a handful of years ago where I actually um, referenced um, this amazing vision um, from this uh, 17th century sister, a Catholic sister who loved the Lord Jesus Christ with all her heart and soul. She loved Him so vehemently that she felt, she felt she was so connected that she felt His love for the church. She felt His pain. She felt His intercession for the church. And she had this vision of the church and she she saw it as this huge body rising on the earth, right? And, you know, God calls us, He likens the the church to a body, the body of Christ. But this huge body that was uh, rising on the earth, keep in mind this is about 200 years ago, It was broken. It was wounded. It was assailed. It was unhealthy. Parts of it were gangrened. It had all these wounds and gaping holes. And in in this vision, she tells how this body had, it had, um, the body had um, hands and feet, but no fingers nor toes. And again, it was assailed and, and broken and wounded and unhealthy. But the general there was, within this vision, there was a guide or an angel or someone speaking to her. And, and it was like, in essence, saying, well, don't worry about that. The body will heal itself. Don't worry about that. The body will heal itself. And when I read that, I thought, do you know what? That is so true. You know, when the body of Christ is loved and when she is nurtured, when she is fed, when she is encouraged, when we gather like this and we represent the vast breadth of the body of Christ here from all walks of life, all denominations, when we come, love on one another, encourage one another, believe in one another, we bring health to the body of Christ. And the thing that stood out for me was this body, this vision had no fingers nor toes. Do you know, without toes, you might be able to kind of stand, but you don't have your balance. And I think in the last 200 years, the body of Christ has been growing her toes. She has been finding her balance and her stature, in society, in the world. You know, you might not have, you, the hand had no fingers. Well, that's fine. But you know, when you have fingers, it represents the fine touch, the beautiful touch, the human touch. And I believe the church is finding her balance and she's finding her human touch her gentle touch, turn to the person beside you and just gently touch their their face. I mean, that is the love of God, right? (laughs) Hallelujah. So, you know, when it comes to the church, take courage, all right? Okay, enough now. (laughs) We're not massaging each other. (laughs) Praise God. So I just had to pause here and give reference. So when it comes to the church, he says, he organizes and he holds it together like a head does a body. He's got it all under control. Verse 18. He was supreme in the beginning, he was supreme in the beginning, and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, But all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together. Fixed and fit together. You might be fixed, but you might not be fit together where you need to be. Right? You might be fit in, but you might not be fixed. So God is on our case. He says people and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. Isn't that lovely? All because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. Verse 21. You yourselves, that would be us, you yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time you all had your backs turned on God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving him complete... But now... By giving Himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together whole and holy in His presence. So, you know what? You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message. If there's a proclamation that the church can stand with, it's like there is no other message. The world is searching for the mystery. There is no other message. Just this one, the Word says, every creature under heaven gets the same message. I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. And then just to weave it from last year, Colossians 2, where we camped last year, says, I want you woven into a tapestry of love in touch with everything there is to know of God. Then you will have minds confident and at rest, focused on Christ, God's great mystery. All the richest treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embedded in that mystery and nowhere else. And we've been shown the mystery. I'm telling you this because I don't want anyone leading you off on some wild goose chase after other so-called mysteries or some secret So girls, as we, oh my, does it look good? It looks so good. Yes, praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen, sorry. Just went into like creative mode there. So girls, um, can I ask a question? So when we say be found in the mystery, be found in the mystery, so romantic. When we say that, what does that mean to you? What does that actually mean to you? You know, without going to seminary for 25 years, you know, or without trying to ter- um, ter- turn these three days that we have into, into that kind of context, what is the mystery of God what is it? I, I actually believe, I think, we, I think I truly landed on that language a year ago because I felt, I feel like the world scratched the surface. The world is hungry to know what the mystery of life is. So what, to, to you, what is that? If I was to get you to turn to the girlfriend beside you and in one sentence, tell her what the mystery of God is to you personally, what would you say? In fact, why don't you just do that for one second? if you can. If you can't, that's okay. But turn around and say, honey, what is the mystery of God to you? It's called group participation. It's hard to give expression to, right? Okay, come back to me. Come back. You know, personally, 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 I honestly believe that the revealed mystery of God is something that we will actually spend an eternity trying to fathom. I don't think we will ever fully understand it this side of eternity. And when we get to heaven, we'll go, that's why we'll be on our faces for 1,000 years probably because we will suddenly realise what it truly is. You know, when we asked ourselves the same question, in fact, we did ask ourselves the same question Cass asked me the question, we sat at a creative table, a boardroom table, and a number of months ago, and we sat down, and, you know, we're like, okay, the mystery of, what is the mystery of God? And she looked at me, and she said, Bobby, what, okay, what is the mystery of God to you? And I remember the table went quiet, and everyone had large eyes, like senior pastor person would have something profound to say. Okay, no pressure. <laughs> but um, I just, I think I responded a few seconds later, and I said, okay, well, I, I you know, seriously, I am, I am not, a, I'm not a theologian here. Hello. Um. And then I went, you know what, I think, I think for me personally, I think for me personally, the mystery, the mystery of God is, is simply the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel for me is the mystery that God, the Father, that the Father chose not to abandon us. Girls, he chose not to abandon us. He could have abandoned us. He could have literally said, when sin and rebellion and independence took root, serious, he could have literally said, to hell with them. Literally. And it would have been to hell with us. Literally. But you know what? He didn't. He chose not to abandon us. They capital T, they, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they could not bear the thought that we would never make it home and never experience what they have prepared for us. They could not bear that. The mystery is exactly what it says in Colossians, those verses, that all the broken and dislocated pieces of the entire universe people and things get properly fixed and fit together again in vibrant harmony what through Christ poured out life from the cross. And girls, you know what? If that, if, that is not, if that is not the gospel, if that is not the mystery of the ages, then I don't know what is. To me, it is profound and it is humbling and it is overwhelming that, you know what, they have never erred in that pursuit. We wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes, why does the bridegroom tarry, Christ being the bridegroom? Why does he tarry? Why doesn't he come back? He said he 2,000 years ago, seriously, he said he was coming back soon. Okay, that was a long time ago, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) You know why I think he tarries? Because there's just not enough over the line yet. There's not enough of his sons and daughters saved yet. The harvest is ripe. Feels are ripe unto harvest. Hallelujah. So, you know what? I think it is amaze, amazing. I think it is amazing that there is a divine gardener, creator, architect who wants us to know the beginning from the end so we actually don't screw up the end. Really, I can hear you, Holly. I can hear you, Holly, cheering me up there. Praise the Lord. Do you believe that? And you know what? Tonight, you might be in this place. A friend may have brought you, coerced you, dragged you here. Hallelujah. <laughs> and you might be wondering, what? why am I here? Why, 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 why am I here? I want to tell you why you're here. I'm going to tell you, sweetheart. You're here in the perfect timing of God. You're here because the God of the universe loves you, died for you, wants to save you, wants to point you home. And you know what? If you're bold and brave enough at the end of the service we're going to give you an opportunity to come into a relationship with Him. So don't get nervous and don't run away. Just be bold and be brave and listen. But if you are, we're going to give you an opportunity to swap what is the lie for truth. The lie that God doesn't exist and He doesn't care for the truth that He actually does exist and He does care. You just haven't seen it yet. So again, my prayer this weekend is that another layer will actually peel back that will infuse devotion, to keep walking, to keep gathering, for us to not deter from what Jesus paid a very supreme price for. Because may I read the scripture again one more time at the front end of this conference. You don't walk away from a gift like that. God of the entire universe sacrificed his son, asked his son to be the sacrifice to take our place, to close the great divide. He paid the ultimate price, the supreme price. That is the mystery of the ages. And the word says, you don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. So, for 2017, you know what? To beginning tonight, and you know, my message is in two parts. I'm just going to give you what I've got tonight, and then I'm going to continue just again. I'm going to pick up where I left off and continue on Saturday morning. But you know what? I'm going to give you a handful of things that have resonated in my heart and life these past 12 months. A handful of things that, to me, never get old. Never get old. So if you're putting a sermon title, it's like 2016 be found in the mystery. Some things never get old. And you know why I'm going to do this? Because there are some things that never get old because they are part of the mystery. Therefore, they will never diminish. They will never weaken or fade or what they will never because they are part of this mystery. And as we walk into them and get a revelation of them, do you know what? They're going to become brighter and brighter and more beautiful and clearer and more astounding and more wonderful than we could have ever imagined. So if you're taking notes tonight, okay. The first thing I want to say is, number one, and this is the longer point here, but that's okay. Number one, worship never gets old. Worship never gets old. Worship never gets old. Do you know last year we had quite a large and a full year? My dear, we pretty much do that all all the time. But anyway, it was particularly large in the second half of the year and um, amid many other things, we had um, literally, we launched Brian's book, um, Live, Love, Lead. So if any of you have read that and like bought into that, thank you so much. I hope it's been a blessing to you. So as part of that release in the United States, we had an 18-city um, worship and book tour, okay, 18 cities every, every night around the US, wedged between Hillsong London and Hillsong New York and a whole lot of madness, and pretty much it was a worship tour, so we were pretty much worshiping God 24-7 for weeks, all right, 24-7 for weeks, and you would think when we came back from that tour that um, we would come home probably never wanting to sing another song. you think we would come home homesick for our bed and our lounge and a little bit of comfort and reprieve. Well, you know, we enjoyed that. But you know what? The vast majority of us came home not homesick for any of that. We actually came home homesick for the courts of our God. I landed and I could not wait to get to church the next, pretty much the next day or Sunday morning because we had been worshipping our hearts out with everything, with everything, hallelujah, for hours and hours every night. Nobody goofed off, the whole team. We were like on, we were on for three hours every night to the very last minute at 10 o'clock when it finished on the dot, hallelujah. And We gave everything. And so, yeah, we came home homesick for the courts of our God. Why? Again, because worship actually never gets old. And I'm talking about real worship, not perhaps, you know, a 20-minute sing-song before the MC spot where sometimes we goof off or it's optional to come late because, you know, we're only going to miss a couple of songs. No, those 20 minutes can be powerful if they are bathed in real worship. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about worship, real worship as in worship that peels back the layers, that peels back the layers within us, within the atmosphere around us, and within within that place where only God himself dwells. I'm talking about that kind of worship. It never gets old. You know, um, and I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that there is a place. There is a place in God, a place. In the madness of this world, there is a portal to another place, another realm where we can lean and take refuge and listen for what is not of this realm. That's the kind of worship I'm talking about, where we can listen for what is not of this realm. You know, Psalm 91, as many of you would know, calls it the secret place. The secret place. Not secret as in hard to find, but secret as in a place that is worthy to be sought and found. In Jesus' name. Perhaps a secret garden in some ways. A secret garden. with um, maybe sounds that incite faith and hope and courage and confidence that then incites endurance and stance, okay? Another place, not of this realm, another place. We actually have access to that. There is a portal, there is a place of entry. You know, in Genesis 28, many of you would know this also. Genesis 28, Jacob dreamed a dream that was more than a dream. He was earthside in a wilderness in a harsh place. He dreamed a dream. He saw a staircase, a ladder, ascending, connecting heaven and earth with the angels of God ascending and descending with God himself at the very top. Let me read it to you from the scripture. So Jacob, no, Genesis 28, verse 12. And it says, and he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. When I read that, angels ascending and descending, that to me suggests industry and activity in heaven. They're not all sitting around on there like, you know, cute bottoms doing nothing. Verse 13, it says, and behold, and behold, everyone say behold. Behold. And behold, the Lord stood over and beside him. Isn't that lovely? Don't ever forget that the Lord stands over and beside you. And the Lord stood over and beside him and said, "I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father. I will give you that I will give to you and to your descendants the land on which you are lying." In verse fourteen, here comes the promise. And your offspring shall be as countless as the dust or sand of the ground, and you shall spread abroad to the west and east and north and south, and by you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed, and then indeed learn how to bless themselves. Verse 15, and behold, another behold, and behold, I am with you. And will keep watch over you with care and take notice of you wherever you may go. And I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done all of which I have told you. Verse 16. And Jacob Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Verse 7, and he says, he was afraid and he said, how to be feared and reverenced is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gateway to heaven. Because you know what, tonight, real worship, real worship never gets old. Because number one, God is closer than we know. Okay, I'm talking to every heart here. Some of you are like, yes, I get this, Bobby. Others are like, I'm not so sure. I want to tell you, worship never gets old because God is closer than we know. There is a portal, a gateway, a ladder, a point of entry into his very presence. It's just a question for all of us. It's just a question of whether we can perceive it, see it, seek it, find it, peel back the layers and hear it. It's just a question of that. Worship never gets old because it is actually the response of salvation within us and it is actually the sound of heaven. Heaven and earth, if we were to hear heaven tonight, it is the sound of heaven. And you know what? Worship never gets old because I believe it is the mystery of this well within. This well, this well of salvation within. Where deep calls to deep. Where deep calls to deep. And that if unlocked, if that well becomes unlocked, then it is, becomes this unstoppable flow that has the capacity to water the human soul. And listen to me, girls, water the earth. The well of salvation within your heart has the capacity to not only water your life, it actually has the capacity to water those around you, to water this earth, to cause a flood to arise on this earth that will astound and astound. You know, John chapter 7 says, Jesus said, Jesus said that whoever believes in him, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. In the message it says, rivers of living water will brim and spill out of the depths, everyone say depths, the depths of anyone who believes in me in this way. Rivers of living water will brim and spill out of the depths of Of everyone who believes in him in this way. So I bring a question tonight. How are the depths working out for you? In your life, my life, Bobby, how are the depths working for you? Do you know Psalm 42, verse 7 says, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. Deep, isn't that the most beautiful verse? Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls. Deep course to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. Deep course to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. The roar of your waterfalls. Deep course to deep in the roar, okay? Heaven is closer than we realize. God is closer than we realize. There is a gateway, angels ascending and descending. God standing at the top saying, I am with you. I am with you, I am beside you, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Deep cause to deep, the waterfalls of God. Okay, you need to put on your, your, your spiritual ears here. You need to put on your imagination. Deep cause the waterfalls of God, the waterfalls of God, the waterfalls of God, the waterfall deep within the waterfalls of God, calling to the deep within the wells of our waterfalls, the waterfalls that are rising up out of our lives. <laughs> I, I, I cannot give expression to it because it is a mystery. But it is the Word of God. Deep calls to deep. I mean, if we were to seriously open our ears, our spiritual ears, if we could open our ears, if we could hear heaven right now, if we could hear heaven right now, Do you people who have passed from this life into the next You ever been around someone who's there on the edge and they all go, it's like the veil, the veil. It's closer than we know. So if we could hear heaven tonight, if we could hear the, the industry and the activity, if we could hear the chatter and the community and the joy, if we could hear the childlike play if we could hear the sounds of the garden and the mountains, if we could hear the sound of the roar of his waterfalls, what would that incite within you? Sometimes we do life and we're alone and we've got people in here and you're on your own, you're widows, nobody is watching over you and you get into your bed at night and you're sad and you're lonely and you feel forlorn and you feel lost. I want to tell you there is a place. You can lie there in your bed and you can tune your heart and you can push through and you can know that God is closer than you ever knew and you can begin to hear and imagine, not get weird, but just hear and imagine that there is a place. That is worship. Worship never gets old in Jesus' name. So I want to encourage you to be still and listen. Be still and listen. Listen. Listen for the waterfalls of heaven. Listen. You know, open heaven, Holy Spirit poured out. Hallelujah. Open heaven, Holy Spirit poured out. You know, we have an album. It's, I think it's more prophetic and title than we realize. Open heaven, river, wild. River wild in me, waterfalls in Jesus' name. So, I want to encourage the parched and the thirsty souls, and I want to encourage the souls who have gotten used to this environment that we live in of blessing. Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm blessed. I go to church, I sing songs. I want to encourage you, worship never gets old. I'll tell you something else that never gets old is knowing you're royal never gets old. Knowing that you are royal never gets old, that you are a daughter of the Most High God, not ordinary, not forgotten, not nothing, you are royal. And I'll tell you, when royal becomes a revelation, it changes everything. It changes the way you live, your stance, your choices, the parameters of your life, it changes everything. Young women, young women tend to not forfeit dignity when they know that they are royal. They tend not to sleep with every Tom, Dick and Harry who just shows them a little bit of affection and winks at them. Young women, shall I say it again? Young women, older women in here. This is why we do what we do. This is why we rise up with wisdom. This is why we are the mothers in the house. We do this so our young women, the young girls who haven't figured it out yet can realize that they are indeed royal. In Jesus' name, women in general tend not to self-sabotage when they know that they are royal. Oh, come on, the voices. What voices are we listening to? I kind of like trying to incite you to listen for the voice of God and listen for the sounds of heaven. But you know, for so many of us, we self-sabotage our lives with our own voice. It's our own voice that diminishes us and puts ourselves down. And so you know what? When you know you are royal, you tend not to self-sabotage. Behavior changes when you know that you are royal. Yes, it does. I'm sorry, it does. Behavior unbecoming for a princess. Behavior changes when you truly know that you are royal. Authority, authority changes when you know that you are royal. When you get a revelation that the royal blood of Jesus Christ is surging through your veins and your mind and your heart, I tell you what, girls, that puts you on a different playing field. Right, yes, you could give God a clap there, hallelujah. Do you know what else changes? Asking changes, asking changes. Royal makes you comfortable to ask because you are not petitioning a mean God, you are petitioning your Father in heaven, hallelujah. Comfortable in the throne room changes when you understand that you are royal that you have access to the King of Kings and the Prince of Peace, that you have access, you have every right to actually position yourself in the throne room of God. You know, many years ago, I've told you this story, but we had this you know, evening where it was like one of those really Holy Ghost kind of moments, and I had this partial vision of the throne room of God, and it was like I was standing literally on the edge of the throne room looking in, like looking in, and I was like, oh, I was, it was years ago, and I was looking in, like peeking in, and you know what, I swear, I, I don't swear, but I swear, <laughs> I swear the Holy Spirit came alongside, because see, that's what He does, He comes alongside, and He said, you know what, you can go in there. You can go in there. You can go in, you can sit at his feet. You can sit on his lap if you want, Bobby. You know, my dad, and you've heard me talk of my dad. He was beautiful. He died when I was 14. My dad was perfect. Yes, he was. <laughs> Arthur Gordon Macdonald, he was perfect. As a little girl, I lived in his lap. I fell asleep in his lap every night of my life. He carried me to bed. He carried me everywhere. I just wanted to be carried. He carried me everywhere. My sister is here, she'll attest to that. She was seven years older to me, older than me. When I called in the night, he came. When I called because I was frightened, or when I called because I'd wet the bed. <laughs> Terrible <beard> wetter. <laughs> Hands up, confession time, all the wetters. <laughs> ah, you weren't expecting that, either. Neither was I. That's not on my nose. Hallelujah. <laughs> When I called for him, for him in the night, he came. He always came. So when I've met the Lord Jesus Christ and when I, my eyes opened to the truth of who this God was, it was very easy for me to accept a heavenly father who was perfect because I had known a beautiful earthly heavenly father. And I know that is very difficult for some people because that has not been your experience. And that is why Psalm 45 says, forget your father's house. If it's been harsh, forget it, as in not cut people off, but just forget it. Forget it. Be here. The king is wild for you. There is another king. There is a father. So you know, these things change. Being comfortable, being comfortable in the face of adversity changes when you know that you are royal. I want to tell you something about adversity. No adversity this side of eternity No battle won nor seemingly lost has any bearings on what is eternal. None. Good people in history have lost their head. Good people have laid down their life for what they believe. Whatever happens this side has no bearings on the truth that remains unshakable on the other side. I want to tell you adversity Stephen in the Gospels was stoned to death. You know the story. He was stoned, not going well for Stephen. He was being stoned to death. Adversity personified. He was being stoned and you know the story. What happened? He suddenly, it was like he, he, he lifted up, his stance lifted up because he saw beyond the stone, his, his accusers, he saw beyond the, the rocks being assailed and thrown at him and he saw Christ. He saw heaven open. He saw closer than you know. He saw Jesus smiling at him. So I want to promise you, no adversity. And when you know that you are royal, it's remarkable what you can bear, what you can carry in Jesus' name. So baby girl, if you are getting a little cranky around the edges, or if, you are in, um, or if it is a rough passage for you because you are maybe living on the fringes of truth, Okay, here's truth, but you're kind of hovering on the fringes. So you know what? The pathway, the passage is a little bit rocky because you're actually not in truth yet. You're not in full freedom and you're hovering here and you're on the fence and you're not quite sure, shall I, shall I? What? I know you're, And it's rocky, it's rocky passage. It's like, baby girl, you, you, you need to step into truth. You need to step into truth and find the freedom that is in truth. So you know what? If you're either of that. Crank around the edges or it's a little bit difficult on the edges. Do you know what? You are losing sight of who you are. So get your royal on, because it it never gets old. Number three, I'm going to go real fast now. Calling, calling, mandate, and mantle never gets old. Calling, mandate, and mantle never gets old. Say those words with me. Calling, mandate, and mantle. Totally. Calling, mandate, mantle never gets old. It never gets old. It never gets old because you know what? It is twofold. They never get old because number one, they are the beckoning of heaven. It is the beckoning of heaven. It is the call of God calling us on, beckoning us on. And it is also the beckoning of the fields. It is the beckoning of the fields. Because right now, girls, the fields are calling us. The fields are calling our name. I have a chapter in this book that I have just read and that we are launching here, praise God. I have this chapter called, Where Are They? The Fields, Where Are They? Because right now people are lost in the fields that are fraught with insane danger. The plain fields of this world are fraught with danger. They are deadly. And the fields are calling us. Do you know what those things calling Mandate Mantle, never get old, because it is the great commission of every believer, the all-inclusive invitation of the gospel to those who labor therein. And you know, Matthew 22 says, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. So girlfriends, I want to say to you, be amongst the chosen many are called but few are chosen okay no i want to be chosen okay be amongst the chosen make your make your life an offering of your life make your life an offering of your of your, make your life an offering to the to the king of heaven i want to say to you be vintage be vintage isaiah 5 says my beloved had a vineyard on a very fruitful hill and he did all for it, all that he could do. And he looked for it to bring forth vintage. He looked for it to bring forth a vintage crop, but alas, it only brought forth a sour crop. Sour, sour grapes. Looked beautiful, but sour. God says, I want you to bring forth vintage. Vintage wine. Be vintage, amen? that will make a good T-shirt, wouldn't it? <laughs> amen, get your vintage on. Trust me, it'll be happening next year. You know, be visible, girlfriend. Be visible, pi- be visible and be pickworthy. <laughs> when the eyes of the Lord scout the Earth, seeing who understand and who are willing, uh, get their attention. Tonight you can get their attention. Tonight as you worship and make an offering of your life, and across this weekend, as you do this, you can actually, the eyes of the Lord scout the Earth, seeing who understand, who are willing. It's like, pick me. Pick me, God. I'm here, I'm willing you can do it. Find your mantle and wear it. Find your mantle and wear it with ease. Many years ago when I was struggling to find my rhythm in life and I felt all this was being here and I was like, I was struggling with what I felt again, what was on my life and I remember a woman, I've told this many times, a woman came up to me and she just whispered in my ear, she prophesied, she was ministering, she just said, do you know what sweetheart, wear it, wear it with ease, wear the mantle with ease, let it fall around you, just wear it with ease. And um, it, was, it was magnificent. And you know what? Time has proven for me, I'm, in my life, it has proven that um, there are many layers to that mantle. There are many, many layers. It's kind of like one of those super layered dresses. You know, those super layered dresses. Have you seen the dove ad? The soap dove ad. And the dress comes down. Have you seen that blue dress? And it kind of just, it's many layered, and it kind of slips onto her, and it just kind of lands, and it's all layered. That's what your mantle is like. There's many layers to it, so like put your head there and catch it and um, slip into it like the dove lady and uh, Bob's your uncle. No, it's awesome. (laughs) When I was thinking about this, I thought, you know what? Actually, my wedding dress, um, so many years ago, my wedding dress was maybe more prophetic than I realised because my wedding dress had many, many, many layers and I just have a picture of my wedding dress this is my wedding dress. Look, it had many, many layers. And I think it was prophetic because it had my mother embroidered flowers all over it, which you can't see because it's black and white. Look at that young wee thing. How is that possible? Just 20, praise the Lord. But you know what, you've got to wear it. And you know, in Psalm 45, it says the royal daughter, that would be you, The royal daughter is all glorious within the palace. Her clothing is woven with gold, and she shall be brought to the king in robes of many colours. Rather lovely, hey? Number four, just two more thoughts here before I have something special for you. Do you know, I think being vulnerable and brave never gets old. Being vulnerable and brave never gets old, sunshine. You know, as a local sisterhood here at Hillsong, we're actually entering our third year of our Brave Women Run in This Family series. It is not getting old. And I want to say to us tonight that, you know what, Um, being brave in any century, age or season doesn't change and it remains imperative. I am 59, as I just said. Just when you think that you have seen and experienced it all, a new step or a new horizon (laughs) opens. And suddenly you realise that you need to get your brave on again. You need to get your brave on. We are never going to graduate from this. We have to get our brave on in Jesus' name, amen? I mean, seriously, for us as a church, we've had this language, unusual miracles, and we have had a year, last 12 months, let us testify to you and bring a good report. We have had unusual miracles unusual miracles I mean lo and behold we name a year unusual miracles and then unusual miracles happen and then we've gone into this year new roads and new rivers because as I heard Brian teach he said you know what when unusual miracles happen which we all want it actually sometimes opens new roads that are so scary and you have to put your brave on again yet again to walk those new roads and that has actually been our testimony And we had something happen in our world, you know, just late last year, an unusual miracle where this incredible opportunity happened, which is just beyond, okay? And it's so exciting, hallelujah! And it's so exciting! And I have to be really honest with you because when it happened, I was like, oh. It's like, I didn't know whether to shout hallelujah or vomit, (laughs) I promise. And you go, you know what? I just gotta get my brave on again. Listen to me seasoned bravery, seasoned bravery comes with a lifetime of battles engaged, endured, and won. So, girl, friend, sweetheart, if you want to become this romantic, brave girl, if you want to be this romantic brave girl and it is romantic is it, Is it not romantic it is so romantic i'm going to be brave i mean riding on valiantly for the cause of truth on my white horse with my auburn hair flying in the wind it is so romantic until you face the sword or the arena or the lions and then sunshine it is not so romantic So if you want to be this brave girl, and you know, brave is happening all around the world. I see it on Instagram. Everyone is having brave. And we depict it with horses and romantic Disneyland characters, and it's amazing. Yeah, right. Sword arena lions. Pretty much. (laughs) So if you want to be the brave romantic girl, and God wants us to be the brave romantic girl, then you need to stay to the end of the battle. You need to not quit because at the end of the battle, we win. You win because in Christ we have won. So if you stay the course with Jesus, you will always win. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I accidented, I'm going to hurry here. I accidented upon an interview with um, Bene Brown. Is that her name? Bene Brown. What? Bene. Thank you very much down there on the front row, Brene. I didn't think Benny, Benny was like Benny? No, Brene. Okay, famous, apparently I haven't read the book, famous for a quote from her book Daring Greatly. And so I accidentally across this on YouTube and at the time we had, this is maybe two and a half weeks ago, we had put ourselves again, Brian and I, out again into that public arena of our nation, um, we had agreed to do another one of those stories, and so we were vulnerable. We, this was coming, and I did this other thing, a Women's Weekly interview. Anyway, that aside, so that's another story. Anyway, I felt very—you know—I said so, we were vulnerable. We had put ourselves out there, and I and I read this quote from her, and let me just read it to you. It's going to go on the screens. She said, "It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles." or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who er who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. The credit belongs to the man who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, and great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. In essence, what this woman was saying, that there is no such thing as bravery unless you are prepared to be vulnerable. There is no such thing as bravery. It is Disneyland pipe dream. There is no such thing as bravery bravery unless you are prepared to be vulnerable. So, sweetheart, if you are feeling vulnerable, here's your opportunity to prove yourself brave in Christ. And you know what, sweethearts? We may as well get good at this. We actually may as well get good at being brave now because bravery will be needed at the very end. And if we end up being, if we end up being the generation who sees the coming of Christ, there is a battle looming. And if not for us, then perhaps for our children or our children's children, in which case we better leave them a very stoic example of bravery. Amen? We need to do that. I'm going to ask the team to come and join me, my beautiful team. Hallelujah. And then finally, number five. Number five. Being, I believe that being the right girl in the right place at the right time never gets old. It just never gets old. Because you know what, you actually are. You are, you are the right girl in the right place at the right time. Here, now, you are. You are, you are the right girl in the right place at the right time. Do not doubt it, you are. You know, the right girl, the right girl never changes. The right girl, the, mother, no, the right girl, time and history never changes because the Bible says in Romans eight twenty nine, whom he foreknew, he did predestine. You are the right girl. The right time never changes also. It never changes. Because actually, not one of us, no human being has any control over when they were born. That is God's domain. He chose here and now for all of us. He chose the 21st century. doesn't matter how you landed or where you landed, you are in the right time. Because that belongs to God and God alone. But the right place, right girl, right time but the right place Mm, let me think about that the right place, in some ways that's determined on how well we allow the gardener and the architect of our lives to shape and direct our lives, would that not be true and so you know my point here and I'm going to continue on Saturday, my point here is that we are all here actually in the perfect timing of God we are born for such a time as this And that is a revelation we are born for such a time as this such a girl for such a time as this that would be you and i tonight every single one of us just lean over just grab the arm of the person squeeze her arm and say right girl in the right place at the right time you are you are right girl at the right time thank you so much for tuning into this podcast I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.